Ah, Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Chobasa by Dilo, Cup Tarkin. Sayo poni pon nankika wipla se pikaba, jabai ubakai nankika. Pretty good. That's good. Wepla, Jake. Hey. <laughs> Riley. Hello. And Misa Jasmine. That's, uh, that's that was not, pretty good. Yeah. I liked that. That was I impressive. I think you did a good job. First of all, goodbye, listeners. <laughs> goodbye, listeners. But we warned you last week that we were gonna do this intro in Hatties. If this is your first mm-hmm. episode, we don't normally do the intro in Hatties. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Well, here we are. Here uh, we are. Jasmine's Another. still here. Yeah. Still here, but here for your first edition. Yeah. Of fan An fiction actual. theater. Oh, that's right. You yeah. have not been here for fan fiction. And this theater. is an eventful one. This I'm is. excited. Yeah. Because I I mean, let's address the elephant in the room. Hello, Horton. Hello. <laughs> hey, Horton. Play by Jim Carrey. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> but also you know, we have done, I think it's going to be our fifth one now. Yeah, I think that's... And... It might be six. Oh, yeah? I think our I think our Kyle Katarn one was five. I think it was four. Well, maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't know. There's no way to find out. I really don't know. Do I sometimes go back and just skip to the reviews at the end that made me laugh? Yes. <laughs> I don't pay attention to numbers. But here's the thing. Tell uh, me. We... This is a segment on our show that's I mean, it's blown up. Blow it up. It's. Oh, no. I mean, how famous are you? And you weren't even a part of this, but how famous mm-hmm. are you now that we've started doing this? Literally makes so much money. So much money. So it's much. stupid. We make like Seinfeld money now. It's dumb. It's dumb. They show <laughs> it. We got paid $300,000 by a local Fox station to rerun our fanfic episodes. I made $500,000 to read that intro yeah i know <laughs> it's crazy by me and i was like yeah sure five hundred thousand. i wipe my nose with that google pay me that money that's just that, yeah. that easy james t google paid you and so we've been making all of this bank off of reading the fan fiction of anonymous anonymous people anonymous. who wrote fan fiction mostly in the late 90s <laughs> yep uh in early 2000s but today we're going to put our money where our very rich mouths are. Yes. One of us is. <laughs> One of us. <laughs> and hopefully in the future, our other two yep. mouths will come into play. Sure. Yeah. Sure. The, yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad I said it like that. Because <laughs> we're going to read the fan fiction of one. Jacob. Jacob. Crites. 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 Jacob Kreitz wrote a fan fiction. I did. Now tell me, Jake. Yes. Like most fan fiction writers, like say Jasmine. Sure. Me? Did you write this fan fiction when you were a little kid? No. I no, did you not. didn't. I was a grown adult. <laughs> and I I think the context of this is important. Mm-hmm. Uh for reasons you will see in the very opening scene. Oh, God. The, like, timing of, of when I wrote it and stuff. So I used to have a desk job, and I had long stretches where I'd be caught up, and I didn't know what to do with my time. So I would uh, just write. I would work on, like, the book I was working on. But then when i get writer's block, I was like, hey, it'd be fun to write some fan fiction. But writing is hard. I agree. You know, you got to think of all these words. Too ma- There's too many words. 
And I started reading some screenplays for fun. And I realized, you know, there's not a lot of words in these screenplays. <laughs> it's mostly dialogue, which is what I like to write. So I um, went on this like free screenwriting app. And I don't know how screenwriting formatting really works other than the brief Googling I did. But I was like, at the time, this is pre-TFA, pre-Force Awakens. Was, but there was hype for Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of hype about, oh, this is a return to the tone of the original trilogy. And I, but I like the prequels, but I was also interested in like it'd be interesting to to know what it would have been like if uh, like the Phantom Menace was written in the tone of the original trilogy. Hmm. Um, so I like looked at the script for the Phantom Menace, and my parameters I gave myself were like, if I was gonna like punch up the script, changing as little as possible. What would I do? And so that's what this is. And I'm not going to say it's good. I don't have the excuse of I was but a boy because I was like but in my 20s. But a man. I was but a man. But a man, but a man. Uh, and I, and that's, of course, that song is in the screenplay. Obviously. Yeah, it opens with that. It right? opens with that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's what this is. We're going to read a screenplay. One, the scene at the very beginning uh, may seem familiar to those you'll just you'll see you'll see i think we can stop and give commentary on this like we would any other yeah thing absolutely it stops pretty abruptly because i just stopped writing it one day i think i got a new job or something and, <laughs> and you um, couldn't write at work anymore. couldn't write at work anymore i had to actually work at work like an idiot um, that is pretty dumb so it starts like in just the middle of one scene and i add some scenes that weren't there originally and stuff but we have uh, if a page of a screenplay is about a minute of screen time we've got like 34 minutes of a of a movie all right that's as much that's as much movie as i usually need hey you know after about what? 34 minutes i'm like i'm kind of done doesn't yeah. matter the movie yeah i'm gonna say after the first 34 <laughs> minutes of phantom menace starts to slow down a little bit <laughs> maybe so maybe that's where i got a little bored um okay so we're going to do this like we do all of our other ones we have uh one thing i think we okay. should say because it to you. this is a screenplay format and i what we talked about doing because obviously there's like stage directions and certain things. All of them may not be there because I think what you're going to try to do is where you can just replace it with sound design. Yes. You'll do that. I will do that. It's my but favorite thing to do. I think when it doesn't translate, if it's like a camera thing, well, I'll just yeah, read it we'll or whatever. Read. Or yep. if it's or, we have to specify yeah. someone's talking to somebody else. Yeah. You know. Oh, so let's also say we usually start out with the opening crawl, but the opening crawl doesn't happen immediately in this it's a bit of a cold oh, open oh boy okay so we'll have to hold off we'll have to hold off a long time ago in a galaxy far far away a vast sea of stars consumes the screen the camera begins to pull out at first imperceptible slowly though a sheen stretches across the stars curvature the pullout continues until we realize the starscape is being reflected off the eyes of the helmet of Darth Vader. Cut to a profile shot of Darth Vader, staring contemplatively out of a bay window of the Executor. He hears a voice from behind. My lord, we have locked onto the ship. Vader says nothing. The camera follows him from behind as he walks through the door down the hallway. Shall I uh, ready the troops? No. No, but, but sir. Vader continues walking without a word. Cut to interior pirate ship, the Uhumele. Inside the dank, rusted ship, alarms are blaring. A frantic crew runs to and from various corridors, preparing for a fight. Cut to crew member number one running past a panicked crew toward the captain's quarters. 
Shrikaren, the Yakoran captain. That's the weird alien we saw in Jabba's oh, thing, by the way. Yikorin. Runs out of the quarters and they meet in the hallway, both with looks of resigned terror upon their face. They've locked onto the ship, Captain. Not just them, him. So it's... I. The ship's crew in the halls of the Uhumeli, scrambling in the background, readying weapons, crowding the entry blast door, a cacophony of sirens and alarms blare. Cut to interior. I meant to say exec, executor elevator. I said inquisitor. I forgot what his ship name was. Cut to interior executor elevator. A close-up of Darth Vader's helmet. A thin vertical window in the background shows downward movement. The elevator comes to a stop. The music cuts out and we hear only his breathing and the hiss of the opening of a blast door ahead of him. Fire! Cuts to Darth Vader from behind. Slow motion. The camera follows behind Vader in an unbroken shot as he emerges from the executor and storms the halls of the Uhumele. He draws his lightsaber. We hear the foreboding hum of his saber, the muffled sounds of screams and blaster fire, but no musical score. All we hear above the watery, muted noise is the sound of his mechanical breathing, overpowering all other sound. The crew fire blasters, which he deflects back at them, killing some. Without lifting a hand, we see two crew members float off the ground, straining, choking before being flung across the room by the force. Sparks rain down as a deflected blaster bolt hits the lights above, the ship now flickering between darkness and light. He throws his lightsaber effortlessly, and it impales a crew member. He stretches out his arm and draws it back. The camera continues to follow him, unbroken as he can, as he reaches the captain's quarters. Sure, Karen is cowering in the corner. He lets off a blaster shot with Vader to flex with his lightsaber, hitting Heron in the shoulder. Heron grasps his shoulder, panting, his eyes panicked. Vader raises his lightsaber to Heron's neck, and we cut to a close-up of Heron's fearful face, the glow of the red saber reflecting in his teary eyes. What are you? The music swells. We hear Vader's mechanical breathing, and camera slowly zoom into his reflective eye, mirroring the opening shot of the film. The lights are still flickering on and off. Light, dark, light, dark, light. Cut to black. Title crawl. So that's our first break. That's our first break. So I, my thought was like thinking about the prequel trilogy at the time. I was like, it is weird that it's all about the transformation to Vader. And when we see episode three, the Vader costume is treated with such reverence. And yet, if this is actually episode one, we have no context for what it actually is. Right. You wouldn't care about that armor. Wouldn't. It, yeah. So I guess my thought at the time was it'd be interesting to start with this flash forward. And you're wondering, what is this in relation to anything? Hmm. Who is uh, this so guy? that when you would then see in episode three, you'd understand like, oh, this is Anakin. He's become this monster. Now, would you have repeatedly cut back to this throughout the movies? No. No, so it's just you see Vader in the beginning. It would be this, maybe a flash end. forward to the beginning of episode two, and then at the end of episode three, something like that. Mm. I see. Okay. That was like my it. thought. And yes, obviously, this is exactly the like, end of Rogue One. It is yeah. a lot like Rogue One. <laughs> yes. I saw that, and I was like, no, my scene. <laughs> your scene. What an original idea I had that they took. Yeah, I think I just, you know, obviously, that was a fan fiction moment in the movie. And <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. I wrote the fan yeah. fiction. Everyone says it's a fan fiction moment. It, yeah, totally. And so I saw that, and I was like, yep, that's a fan moment for sure. So I'm um, that fan. Yeah, I'm that fan. Uh, so, yeah, the title, I didn't change it because I don't know how you contextualize the Phantom Menace other than this. Yeah. There are trade routes and things. Stop. 
Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy, to settle the conflict. Exterior Republic Cruiser Space. Pan down to reveal a small space cruiser heading toward a camera, heading toward the camera at great speed. Pan with the cruiser as it heads toward the lush green planet of Naboo, which is surrounded by hundreds of Trade Federation battleships. I actually took that, by the way, and I wanted to cut too much, but that's actually from the actual Phantom Menace script. Yeah. I don't actually says it. I don't consider Naboo to be a lush green planet when you see it, but that's what it says. I guess. I mean, some of it. I mean, when you see it from space, it doesn't look like that. It's lush blue planet. Lush blue planet. The Republic cruiser approaches the large central battleship. We follow the cruiser as it docks in the enormous main bay. Interior Trade Federation ship docking bay space. TC-14, a silver protocol droid, and Newt Gunray await at the door of the Republic cruiser. One hooded figure emerges from the Republic cruiser. The camera follows him from behind as he, TC-14, and Newt leave the docking bay through a sleek sliding door. Interior conference room Trade Federation ship Newt Gunray and the hooded figure are sitting at opposite ends of an oblong white table. The figure removes his hood and reveals himself, Qui-Gon Jinn. TC-14 is finishing pouring tea into Newt Gunray's cup. She steps over to Qui-Gon and begins pouring tea into his. Qui-Gon shoots her a glance that shows how little he cares. She finishes pouring and steps back into the corner of the room, a fence somehow apparent on her lifeless face. How long will we retain this veneer of peace? I'm sure I don't know what you mean, Ambassador. Our blockade is perfectly legal. A prophylactic measure to keep the peace we have while we sort out this minor disagreement. There is no war, nor threat of it. I assure you, any unrest you feel is only in your mind. Only because I have sensed it in yours. Newt looks taken aback. You feel it. The conflict simmering underneath. Gunships encircling. Probes flying overhead. Fear spreading on the planet below. The sense that something is coming. Elsewhere. Elusive. Something beyond your control. Your gunray is at first stunned, then amused. Sensed? Somehow I knew you two were more than just ambassadors. Speaking of which, when is the other one? Your Padawan, I assume. I ask that he stay on our ship. Smash cut to Obi-Wan Kenobi sprinting. Interior Federation ship, deck A. A, fren- a frenetic score bursts out as we see Obi-Wan sprinting down the hallway of the Trade Federation ship. A battle droid emerges from around a corner and Obi-Wan force pushes it against the wall, shattering it before it can even draw its weapon. Obi-Wan is speaking out loud but communicating to Qui-Gon through a comm device. You blew it already, didn't you? Qui-Gon subtly attempts to lower the volume of the comm device in his ear and speaks anew. Because we were assured that negotiations would be short, and because, as you say, he is a Padawan, young and experienced, often speaks out of place, I'm the one that's sticking to the plan. You were supposed to distract him. He would have been a distraction. Interior Federation ship bridge. A Nemoidian emerges behind Obi-Wan and sees the broken battle droid and the Jedi. What the? Obi-Wan swivels around and the two lock eyes. The Nemoidian quickly fumbles for his communicator. Obi-Wan, visibly nervous, without thinking, thrusts out his hand. The Nemoidian drops his communicator as his feet begin lifting off the ground. 
His tri-fingered hands grip his neck, gurgling sounds sputter from his mouth. A dark, determined look spreads across Obi-Wan's face as the Nemoidian chokes. Suddenly he snaps too, realizing what he's doing. With some strain, as if he's fighting against the Force itself, he drops his hand, and the Nemoidian collapses to the ground, unconscious. Obi-Wan looks at his hand, then the fallen alien. He winces with regret. That can never happen again. He looks at the broken battle droid, then the Nemoidian, realizing he has to find a place to hide the bodies. He eyes a locker room to his left, down the hall. Cut back to the conference room with new Gunray and Qui-Gon. I see you. Well then, you're not here to force a settlement after all. We are, but we both know you are never going to settle for anything less than a treaty, which we both know the Queen will never sign. Then what is it you really want, Ambassador? No, Master Jin. I want to know why a federation in charge of imports and exports has taken the historically unprecedented measure of blockading a defenseless planet with gunships because of a simple trade dispute. Why a group of bureaucrats have been making under-the-table deals to attain droid transport tanks and control ships. I want to know how a group of such powerful wizards, such legends, with such knowledge of the Force have fallen so far as to be reduced to settling simple trade disputes. Qui-Gon smiles wryly as if he's heard it all before. <laughs> and Riley is smiling. <laughs> the Jedi? My mother would tell us the stories, of course. Knights of the Old Republic, slayers of monsters and beasts. And now, you are here, sipping tea with the bureaucrats. Qui-Gon, without breaking eye contact, picks up his teacup and pours the liquid onto the ground. Newt looks momentarily concerned. We're still knights, Viceroy. The beasts have just taken different forms. Katsu Obi-Wan. He's exiting the locker room, but stops when he hears Qui-Gon's retort. I have a bad feeling about this. Come back to the battleship, the conference room. New Gunray leaning back in his chair, impressed and concerned simultaneously. It would appear we are both part of organizations whose role in history has changed, Master Chin. I may be with them, but they do not control me. My only master is the Force. Who's yours? You know, I think he'd like to meet you. Oh, I'd very much like to meet him. Master, what's going on? He is no doubt more qualified to explain our position on this matter to you. If you give me a few minutes, I can get him on the view screen. He stands up from the table. Perhaps we can settle this dispute after all. I sense we can. Newt leaves the room. The door shuts behind him. Qui-Gon immediately stands up and speaks to Obi-Wan. Please tell me you found something. I sense I'm close. You were right. There are definitely battle droids here. There was one patrolling the decks. I do hope... You've at least been subtle. More subtle than you. Smash cut to Interior Federation Battleship Locker Room. Nemordian number two casually goes to his locker. He opens it, and unconscious Nemordian number one and dismantled battle droid parts fall out of it. He jumps back with a startled jolt. A look of realization spreads across Nemordian number two's face. He darts out of the room, sprinting down the hall toward the main deck. Cut back to Interior Federation Ship Deck B. What was that back there anyway? You completely tipped your hand. You were supposed to be an ambassador. Stall him. Remember your place, my very young apprentice. I'm sorry, Master. Sorry, of course. It's just that I don't think we have much time. Qui-Gon looks nervously at the door. Interior, Trade Federation ship, bridge. Newt, Dofine, and Rune Hako are before the hologram of Darth Sidious, a robed figure whose face is obscured by a hood. They do everything. You said they would send ambassadors, not Jedi. We're done for. The scheme of yours has failed, Lord Sidious. Fail was a strong word, choice of words, but I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, of course. It's just 
they're Jedi after all. You seem more worried about the Jedi than you are of me, Dofine. You've forgotten your place. Pray I'm not forced to remind you of it. Viceroy. Newt looking very nervous steps forward. Yes, my lord. I don't want this stunted slime on my sight again. Do you understand? Yes, my lord. I didn't remember that. <laughs> You're playing all these games. <laughs> <laughs> Newt gives Dofine a fierce look, and Dofine, terrified, rushes off the bridge. This turn of events is unfortunate. We must accelerate our plans, Viceroy. Begin landing your troops. My lord, is that legal? I will make it legal. And the Jedi? The Chancellor should have never brought them into this. Kill them immediately. Yes, my lord. As you wish. Interior. <laughs> Republic cruiser cockpit docking bay. In the cockpit of the cruiser, the captain and pilot look up and see a gun turret swing around and point directly at them. Captain, look! No, one! Cut back to the uh, hallway where Obi-Wan is. Obi-Wan looks nervously down a split hallway, but stops short, overwhelmed by the force. The ship, Master. I felt it too, which means we need to hurry. Obi-Wan runs down the hallway to the left and hides behind a corner. A Nemoidian holds up a special clearance card at the terminal of a large hangar door, looks around cautiously, and walks in. The door shuts behind him. Obi-Wan scans the ceilings and spots a ventilation shaft. Anything? Perhaps. Can you sense my location? Yes. Travel through the ventilation shaft before Bugface comes back. I think I've found it. In the conference room, the blast doors suddenly slam down. Alarms start screeching. Yellow gas starts leaking through the ventilation shaft above. I may have to take the long way. Well, negotiations were short. I'll give you that. Qui-Gon grabs a breathing device from his belt and puts it in his mouth as yellow gas fills the room. Cut to the other side of the door. A hologram of Newt Gunray stands proudly behind ten battle droids, blasters drawn and pointed at the door. Surely he's dead by now. Dispose of whatever's left of him. The hologram fades off as a battle droid. OWO1 cautiously opens the door. A deadly yellow cloud billows from the room. The music rises. Battle droids cock their weapons as a figure stumbles out of the smoke. It's TC-14, carrying the tray of drinks. The protocol droid passes the armed camp just as the glow of a green laser sword dramatically forms in the mist. Qui-Gon flies out of the deadly fog as the main theme starts playing, cutting down several battle droids before they can fire. <laughs> Interior, Trade Federation ship, bridge. The bridge is a cacophony of alarms. Newt and Rune watch OWO-1 on the screen. Not sure exactly what. OWO-1 is suddenly cut in half mid-sentence. Rune gives Newt a worried look. What the blaze is happening down there? He happened? He's cutting through our droids like butter? I knew those things were cheap. At least it is just him. Thank the gods we got rid of the one on the ship. Lord knows what we'd do with two gems. Nemordian 2 darts into the room, clearly exasperated. Viceroy! There's... Uh... Rune points to a security feed on the bottom of the view screen, and we see Obi-Wan sprinting down a hallway, force-pushing a Nemordian before he darts off screen. How could this happen? I... Seal off the bridge, and I want destroyers after the battle one. I don't think that'll be enough, sir. What am I going to suggestions? The door to the bridge slams shut. Interior, Federation battleship, hallway, outside bridge. Qui-Gon cuts several battle droids in half, creating a shower of sparks and metal parts. He makes his way to the bridge door and begins to cut through it. 
the crew is visibly nervous as sparks start flying around the bridge door. Qui-Gon is in the view screen, cutting to the door. Close the blast doors! The heavy, thick blast doors slam shut, followed by a second door, then a third. There's a hissing sound as the huge door seals shut. Qui-Gon stabs the door with his sword. The screen goes black as a red spot appears in the center of the blast door. They're still coming through! This is impossible! Interior Federation battleship hallway outside bridge. Obi-Wan emerges behind Qui-Gon, who's still cutting through the blast door. You could never stay put, could you? Oh, it was getting a bit dull just waiting for you. Figured I'd come bail you out of trouble as usual. The sound of metallic rolling rumbles behind them. They look back in unison to see, to see three destroyer droids barreling toward them. Looks like you brought the trouble with you, as usual. Just keeping you spry in your old age. What, you don't like a challenge? Well, I'm training you, aren't I? That's challenge enough. Destroyer droids stop and transform into their battle configuration. Rapid-fire lasers blast from their arm cannons. In a blink, the two Jedi whip out their, their lightsabers and begin deflecting the laser blast back at the destroyers. But a blue spherical shield forms around the destroyers, absorbing the fire. Blast! Defense shields! It's a standoff. Let's go. They dart off in Jason hallway, the destroyer droids rolling after them, close on their trail. Follow me! This is it up ahead! Qui-Gon sees a security camera hanging from the ceiling up ahead. Still sprinting, he force pulls the camera off the wall and flings it toward the pursuing destroyers, creating an explosion. Cut back to the bridge. Newt and Rune stand on the bridge, watching the view screen as wheel droids, as the wheel droids POV speed toward the doorway. You have them on the run, sir. They're, they're no match for destroyer. A bridge worker, Tei Hao, on the computer console cuts him off as the monitor displaying the Jedi sputters out. Sir, we've lost him. Scream white. Scream white. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Interior, Federation Battleship, Main Bay. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan appear at a large vent in a giant hangar bay. They are careful not to be seen. Thousands of battle droids are loading onto landing craft. Just as we thought, an invasion army. Just as you thought. You were right, as always. I still don't know why. Why they'd want to invade, start a war. But you have your suspicions? Well, as always. You were trying to get him to admit what they were planning. That's, that's why you tipped your hand. A little too far, perhaps. Stop being modest. We both know you still have a plan. You always have a plan. We always have a mission. But the plan for accomplishing it is ever-changing with the will of the Force. Except you changed the mission, too. You know I'm always happy to play along, Master, but this is not what the Chancellor... The Chancellor wanted us to force a settlement, but he was either unable or unwilling to believe that the Federation had already made up their minds, that they were capable of planning something like this. So... So? So I let the Force guide us instead of him. You don't trust him? I trust politicians less than the Force, facts, and my own instincts, yes. Meanwhile, war looms before us and destruction chases from behind. So, are you quite ready? Of course, Master. You've got to warn the Naboo and contact Chancellor Valorum. It may be a little late for a warning. If they're loading up now, it means they'll start deploying any second and our ship's been destroyed. Quite right, my young apprentice. Which is why we're going to steal one of theirs. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon sneak past the army of battle droids, security cameras, and Moidian workers. The only ships in the hangar are multi-troop transport tanks, so they have to settle for one of those. One of them has an open cockpit. Cut to interior docking bay control room. A line of Nemoidian control room workers sit at their computer terminals, looking bored. 
Suddenly, one Nemoidian gets a red alert on his monitor. Ship is taking off. That ship's not cleared for takeoff! New Gunray and Dauphine dash in, out of breath. Take down that ship! Droids fire at the ship to little effect. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan successfully fly out of the hangar without major damage. It's no use! It can't be taken down from the outside. I built them to be impervious to laser fire. Why didn't you build the battle droids to be impervious to laser fire? You're fired. Idiots! There's still one way to take them out! Gunray uses a comm link to contact the droid control ship. Cut back to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. They look behind them as they fly toward Naboo and realize that the cargo hold in the back is full of hundreds of switched-off battle droids. Well, that can't be good. It shouldn't be a problem unless the Federation is able to activate them. A buzz rings out as the army of battle droids switch on and take their battle formations. Remotely. Qui-Gon takes the captain's chair and Obi-Wan tries his best to take down the droids and deflect their fire. Cut back to the docking bay. Newton Dofiner huddled over Nemordian number three's monitor. The ship is losing power, but it's still operational. Curse my flawless design. Newt rolls his eyes and stands to make an announcement to the droid army on the bridge. Start landing immediately. Squad A, storm the city's plan. Squad B, find the wreckage of that stolen ship and ensure that there's Jedi scum on dead. Back in the stolen ship, the blaster bolts ricochet off Obi-Wan's lightsaber and damage the interior of the ship. Eventually, it begins to set fire. A stray blast hits the control terminal of the ship. We see an exterior shot that shows the ship spinning out of control. Obi-Wan and the battle droids violently rust about the cargo hold, some of the battle droids still firing their weapons. It's a claustrophobic nightmare of flying blaster bolts and droid parts. They enter Naboo's atmosphere as Qui-Gon attempts to steer the ship to a body of water. Brace yourself! Kenobi, being thrown from one end of the ship to the next, realizes that's impossible. He sees the approaching water through the cockpit window. Obi-Wan, using the force, pulls a battle droid blaster to himself, shoots the lashes on the back of the transport tank, which opens a loading door. Battle droids fly through the now-open door and out of the back of the falling ship. This way! I think I'll take my chances. Hip here. Oh, it's not like you said hip here. Hip here. <laughs> hip here. Hip here. <laughs> Hooray. Obi-Wan grit his teeth, concentrates, and leaps out of the back of the ship just before it crashes into the water. Obi-Wan adjusts himself in midair and dives into the water. Qui-Gon emerges relatively unscathed. Next time, you're driving. Okay, th uh, that's the end of that segment. That's the end of that segment. Yeah. What do we think? This fellas? is fun. This is fun with three people more than it's we did it last time. It's fun with three people. Last time we did it with just the two of us. It's with, a little exhausting. It's a little doing exhausting. It with two, yeah. You're probably exhausted because you're reading a lot, mm -hmm. but. Good. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to. I think the biggest thing was Obi Wan being on his own and having this instance where he, like, let his instincts take control and he uses the dark mm -hmm. side. Cause I kind of wanted to set up if like, if I was going to punch up the script, I would try to emphasize the fact that Obi-Wan is unprepared to mentor Anakin. Right. That's he's important. not ready yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's still a little immature. So a little immature. So that was, which my... doesn't really come across in the movie because he makes way more mature decisions than Qui-Gon throughout yes. the whole movie. <laughs> Qui-Gon seems like the kind of yes. immature one. Qui-Gon so... should not have an apprentice and Obi-Wan should. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to kind of, reverse that yeah and uh yeah make the nemodians fun dumb but not racist fun dumb but not racist <laughs> that's good that's what i'm going <laughs> that, for that translates to charge when i write fan fiction my biggest thing is i want to make it not racist <laughs> and fun dumb <laughs> and fun dumb <laughs> fun dumb the other thing well we'll just get to the next section screen wipe two interior naboo palace hallway daytime 
Queen Amidala storms down the hallway of an ornate, extravagant palace, wearing her elaborate headdress and robes. Straining to keep up are the members of the governing council and four handmaidens, Irite, Yane, Rabe, and Sashe. The group walks hurriedly as they talk. <laughs> but your highness... We should have heard from them by now. Negotiations can take time, lady. Not this long. No word from the Jedi and their ships no longer transmitting a signal. The Federation has blockaded the planet, for God's sake. We can't be so naive as to think their motives are purely... A captain of the Naboo security force, Quesh Panaka, races up the hall with a holographic communicator in hand. He catches up with the Queen. Milady, I've gotten through to Senator Palpatine. Captain Panaka produces a holographic device. Queen Amidala quickly grabs it, and a small hologram of Senator Palpatine appears. They continue walking. Senator Palpatine, we've heard nothing from the Jedi. The hologram begins to sputter. How could it be true? I heard a sh from the Chancellor. His ambassador did arrive. Yes, but did they ever leave? I must be the get negotiate. The hologram fizzles out. And now the communications are down. A communications disruption can mean only one thing, invasion. Don't jump to conclusions, Governor. The Federation would not dare go that far. The Senate would revoke their trade franchise and they'd be finished. We must continue to rely on negotiations. Negotiations, we've lost our communication. And where are the Chancellor's ambassadors? This is a dangerous situation, Your Highness. Our security volunteers will be no match against a battle-hardened Federation army. We must make peace at all costs. I will not contone a course of action that will lead us to war. They may have led us there already, your highness. We don't go to war on maybes, Governor. I'll get to the bottom of this. Have hope. With all due respect, there doesn't seem to be any hope. Then we'll find some. Screen wipe 2. Interior Skywalker Slave Hut. Night. The hut is dim but for the dull, shimmering light of a lantern sitting on a table. Shmi Skywalker is sitting on a ceramic, stump-like chair, holding a holographic book, while Anakin Skywalker sits on the floor before her, with eyes full of wonder. Shmi, reading from a book. But he was not at all what he appeared to be. Inside him, buried deep behind his eternal screams, barely audible behind the sound of his racing pulse, behind the voices in his head telling him to run away, to give in to the fear, was a smaller voice. At first a whisper then a roar. A roar that said, it's not over yet. That said, stand up. That reminded him of who he was, who he had been, who he could be if he'd just fight back. What was it? The voice of the Force itself. She looks down at the book again and continues reading. The beast before him had him pinned to the ground, its claws piercing his chest, his jagged fangs inches away from his eyes. And yet, for the first time, he allowed himself to look into those beastly eyes directly. At first, his fear compounded. The foul creature's eyes seemed to look right through him. He shuddered as he saw his own reflection in their malice, those empty yellow pools of animalistic hate. But then it hit him. Those eyes were empty, dead. There was nothing behind them, nothing. And if there was nothing in those eyes, the creature was really nothing at all, certainly nothing to fear. A smile grew on his face as he pulled his lightsaber toward him with the force, the light glinting off the hilt like a ray of hope as it flung it through the air and into his hand. The seamer burst out in a flash of green, and with his last ounce of strength, through the pain of the piercing claws, he raised it up to the creature's savage head and... A loud sound echoes through the hut, startling Shmi and Anakin. The camera pans to the window to reveal a Gamorian guard standing menacingly on the other side. Lights out, slaves. Shmi quickly blows out the lantern light and waits for the guard to pass. Oh, come on! We have to finish it! Tomorrow. Come on, Mom. There was like two seconds left. This is so unfair. Tomorrow. 
No. Tomorrow. No. Shmi sticks out her hand like claws and starts tickling Anakin, saying, tomorrow, 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 and Anakin starts giggling. Okay, okay, okay. Another thunderous slam booms out. The guard is back at the window. Lights out means shut up. Don't make me tell you again. Anakin and his mother look at each other with weary smiles. He's right. No, he's not right. It's past your bedtime. Bedtime isn't a time. It's like dinner time. It can be whenever. It is a time. It's a time when you need to go to bed, which is now. Tomorrow. Now. Anakin sighs and drags his feet, walking dramatically slow to his room. Do I need to pick you up like a little baby and carry you in there? Anakin immediately starts walking faster. Nope, I got it. Easy there, cadet. Let me tuck you in. That's okay. All good. Suspicious, he starts following Anakin. Well, now it seems like you're hiding something in there. Anakin's walking backward toward his room, facing his mother. What? <laughs> no, not not hiding. Just there, there's a surprise, and you just can't see it yet. Not cleaning your room is a surprise now. It's not that, really. I mean, I didn't exactly clean my room. My, uh, I mean, it's not dirty, other than all the dirt. But you know, it's it's just you'll see soon. It it's just not ready yet. Love you, night. Anakin slips into his room, and the door slides shut behind him. Mechanical clunk. Anakin's room is a claustrophobic round barracks with a flat metallic bed jutting out uncomfortably from one of the walls. We see some clearly self-made shelves featuring cobbled together junky gadgets and inventions upon them. Wrenches and other tools litter the floor. In the corner is a large tarp, which is clearly hiding something underneath. He looks behind him cautiously, then rips the tarp off, revealing C-3PO, a pieced together wiry humanoid robot with one eye. Anakin switches him on. Master Anakin, how good to see you. If only I could see a little better, of course, with my Oculus circuits being incomplete and such. Not that I'm complaining, Master Anakin. I know I'm building you to help out Mom, but I should really program you to clean my room while I'm at it. That would be very difficult to do in my current state, so not to sound ungrateful for the gift of life you've given me. It's just that with the inadequate joints and aforementioned Oculus... Keep, keep it down, would you? We're supposed to be asleep. And I do beg your pardon, Master Anakin. Why so ever did you wake me up? So you can pretend to be me, sleeping. Pretend to be you, so well, I can barely pass for a protocol droid such as I am, much less a human such as yourself. No, remind me to program you to talk less, too. Look, you don't have to put on my clothes or anything. Just simulate some human breathing sounds, and I'll put my sheets over you, just in case Mom comes in to make sure I haven't snuck out. And if I may ask, why am I doing this, sir? Because I'm sneaking out. Oh, dear. Anakin gets on his hands and knees and starts crawling under the bed. From his belt pocket, he pulls out a small crowbar-like tool for leverage. He sticks it into a suspicious crack in the wall and pulls out a circular clay slab. We realize he's carved it out of the ceramic structure of the house. He crawls through the hole, which leads outside the slave compound. After looking around, he replaces the slab and quickly stuffs the tool back in his pocket. He sneaks past torch-bearing Gamorrean guards as he stealthily makes his way around to the back of the compound. The camera pulls out to reveal hundreds of similar huts stacked uncomfortably on top of each other like a junk pile. He waits in the shadows for one last guard to complete his rotation before beginning to climb up to the top of the tallest building in the compound, using the windows as footholds. He sits atop the building and gazes out at the stars as Anakin's theme soars. Time lapses as the two suns rise, mirroring the iconic shot from A New Hope. I just reference movies in my screen directions. <laughs> it's like poetry. I, it's like rhyming in poetry. As the suns rise and the distant sands of Tatooine are slowly bathed in light, Anakin's theme ends by subtly referencing the Imperial March, the quiet omen of everything to come.
Green Wipe 2. Exterior, Space Landing Craft, Twilight. Six landing craft fly in formation toward the surface of the planet Naboo. Exterior, Naboo Swamp, Shallow Lake, Twilight. Three landing craft slowly descend through the cloud cover of the perpetually gray twilight side of the planet. One by one, the Federation warships land in the eerie swamp. Troop transports emerge from the landing craft. Cut to exterior, Naboo Forest, small pond, twilight. Uh, I feel bad that you haven't read in a while. You want to read these screen directions, Riley? Sure. A small crab-like monster in the foreground crawls along the edge of a pond. We hear the faintest blip in the background, like something emerging from water. Rack focused to behind the crab. Two reptilian eyes have emerged from beneath the water, like periscopes. They narrow in focus, eyeing the crab intently. The crab stops walking and turns towards the water. Just as it turns, the eyes sink back beneath the pond. The crab turns and keeps walking. The mysterious eyes re-emerge on the surface, and the water-dwelling monster slowly rises from the depths. It quickly flicks its tongue out like a frog and eats the crab in the blink of an eye. The monster is Jar Jar Binks, a Gungan. He climbs... Sorry, a Gungan. <laughs> no. He, he climbs out of the water looking somewhat satisfied. He pats his belly. Cut to a wide shot of the forest, showing Jar Jar small and alone in the clearing. His face falls. We follow Jar Jar as he wanders the vast, misty forest. He looks around to see a pair of bugs flying around each other, almost dancing in the air, happy. He attempts a smile, but it quickly fades. Ahead he sees a, a herd of cadu. Oh, that's herd. Strike three. He spelled herd wrong. I did, you're right. Why did I stop? <laughs> he sees a herd of cadu walking together contentedly. Jar Jar's shoulders droop as he lets out a lonely sigh. Suddenly the herd of cadu <laughs> did it again. Suddenly oh my the God. herd of cadu seems startled. They start running away rapidly. Jar Jar looks confused but soon realizes the cause. A rumbling sound roaring through the air like ships landing. He threads through the stampede and follows the sound. A look of wide-eyed terror befalls him as he peeks over a large rock mass to see a swampy clearing with droid tanks and troops assemb assembling ominously. Cut two. Exterior, Naboo, edge of swamp, grass plains, twilight. The droid invasion force moves out of the swamp and onto a grassy plain. Oom-9 in his tank looks out over the vast army marching across the rolling hills. A small hologram of Rune and Newt stands on the tank. And there are no trace of the Jedi. It's unlikely they survived the crash, sir. Do not underestimate them. Until I see their bodies, you will proceed with extreme caution. They are down here, sir. We'll find them. We are moving out of the swamp and marching into the cities. We are meeting no resistance. Rack focused to show Jar Jar far in the distance, witnessing this entire exchange from behind the rock. Jar Jar puts his back up against the rock and slides down to the ground to a seated position, clearly shocked. He looks distraught, conflicted. He stands back up to take another look at the convening army when he hears the cocking of a blaster behind him. Freeze! Jar Jar swivels around with a jolt to see a battle droid pointing a blaster straight at his head. Jar Jar throws his hands up immediately. Hi! I was just admiring your uh, ships and guns and troops and tanks and... Quiet! Are you a Gungan? Oh, well, sort of. Yes, obviously, but also, no, not anymore. Not really. Sort of an ex-Gungan in practice, you know, they sort of kind of banish. I have orders to escort any of your kind back to our base. You're going to give us the location of your hidden city, Gungan scum. Boy, I'd love to, really. I would. I'm a helpful sort of guy. Always been a helper, but this particular instance, unfortunately, I can't exactly do that legally and morally and whatnot. 
In fact, I should probably be going. I'm more of a half Gungan, really. If that, my stepdad was a Gungan and my mom was a different thing. So really, I'm more like a tenth. You got to the count of three to start moving or I'll blast ya. One. I heard the Gungan City was a myth, actually. It might not even be on the- Two. I think it's on Dantooine, as a matter of fact. So you're having the completely wrong- Three. A flash of sparks fly as the droid's head is cut off. The body falls to reveal Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon standing behind it. The latter with a lightsaber in hand. He retracts the saber, gives Jar Jar a friendly nod, and continues walking with urgency. Jar Jar runs to keep up with him. Boy, am I glad to see you! Of course I'm glad to see anyone these days. Not anyone, I suppose, considering I wasn't too hot on that clinker back there. Of course, I'm not really sure a droid counts as anyone, really, since I don't even have a brain. Do you have one? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I can speak. We noticed. Qui-Gon shoots Obi-Wan a scolding glare. He stops walking and turns to Jar Jar, kindly placing a hand on his shoulder. Your gratitude is noted and appreciated, my friend. Jar Jar's eyes light up upon hearing the word friend. But we must be on our way and quickly. Good day. He gives Jar Jar a smile and a nod. The two Jedi keep walking. Jar Jar seems completely unabated, and after a beat, he rushes behind them. Wait, where are we going? We are parting ways. We are going elsewhere. Uh, never heard of it. Is it close? Obi-Wan rolls his eyes. It's none of your concern. You may be on your way. Your way is my way now. We'd rather it wasn't. It's not a matter of rathering it one way or another. You saved my life. I owe you what we Gungans call a life debt. Wherever you go, I shall follow. Wherever, whenever you fall into battle, I shall fall valiantly fighting by your side until the day my life ends, saving yours. Uh, that won't be... Also, I'm really bored. Look, my friend... Please, call me Jar Jar. Jar Jar, as you saw, an army has landed. The planet is under siege by the very sorts of droids who nearly killed you. They won't stop until the queen herself has surrendered. And she's on the complete opposite side of the planet, so we need to hurry and leave no time for distractions. The end. The end. <laughs> We did it. <clears throat> well, that was it. That was good. That's where I that stopped. Was, that was even better the second time. It was, actually. It was, it was definitely more dynamic with three people. Yes. Mm-hmm. It helps. Imagine it with four. Imagine that with four people. <laughs> I don't know. Isaac was never into the dramatic readings, I feel. True. He I probably feel like, like fart sounds. He probably like would. <laughs> That's all he does. Well, uh, guys, honest feedback. What you, what you think? Give it a zero out of eight. Oh, <laughs> fair, fair. No, no, no. It was good. I enjoyed it. It um, it was good. Really a good lot guess. more interesting stuff happens than in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. That's nice to hear. The actual movie is just kind of, eh. Yeah, Jar Jar's more fun. How long would you say this would take up in the actual movie? Because like. I have a thing, like the whole reason I didn't like Rogue One as much first time was because it cuts so much to different things. Mm, there's a lot of cutting There's here. a lot of cutting. Yeah, but that's I, true. I like all the things that it's cutting right. to. I think but... it would be way quicker than what it took us to actually do because a lot of yeah. it is just visual things that I have to describe. So, you know, things like describing who's sitting at a table or whatever or Obi-Wan running would just happen and you wouldn't see it so i mean it probably would that would be like half an hour of a movie i would think but i agree it it felt i did i always felt like it'd be better to see anakin earlier than when we see him in the movie yeah so i wanted um, to do that because and i like and i like the line that i wrote (laughs) i realized i was saying i was like this is douchey but it's like it's compared it's been compared that like 
in a new hope we don't run into luke for a little while the same way we don't run into anakin for a little while right i feel like we meet luke a lot sooner than we meet anakin oh for sure we do Mm -hmm. um and i don't know it's just yeah i think it would be better to just because it really is like 40 45 minutes into the movie before you meet anakin Mm -hmm. who is kind of one of the main characters of this movie one of the main characters of star wars yeah that's why i felt like cutting it like after padme says we have to find hope and then cutting to anakin skywalker felt like that would give the audience context for why this character is important and you have a sense of what where his head is at before the jedi i really didn't like the part where shmi and anakin were like carrying on and stuff i know george really didn't like scenes he cut out scenes where everyone was like carrying on with emotions yeah that's true there was a lot of carrying on with emotions so i wish sure. there were less emotions in the anakin and shmi stuff <laughs> yeah but... i was thinking maybe cut down on the emotions yeah <laughs> i think that would make the movie better i also wanted to didn't have emotional yeah reactions i also wanted to in a very pretentious way foreshadow the end of the movie with the book that shmi was reading mm. uh with darth maul so i wanted oh, okay. to be a pretentious douchebag and do that gotcha cool and then good job yeah I can make you mission accomplished. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Uh, felt pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess my question is, would it be fun for me to try to write more of it? And I think it would. Make it yeah. and like try to finish it and see how it goes. I think so. Why not? I've always been interested to see because I I have a fondness in my heart for Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. but I also have my problems with Attack of the Clones. I always thought it'd be fun to see like. I say that, but could I actually improve upon Attack of the Clones as just a person? So I, I always thought it'd be fun to try to do that. But yeah, mm. it would be hard to. I don't know. I've never thought much about it, like improving something after it's already out. Like once it's out, I'm just like, well, it's out. That's how it is. I don't really think that's about probably it. a reasonable stance to take. Yeah, I have something to admit. Yeah. Okay. I have practiced saying that Senator Palpatine Senator way Palpatine. too many times. It was dead on. I don't Senator know Palpatine. why. And at first yeah. I was like, ah, I, w- I, I didn't want to do that voice. for, But then you said it, I was like, ah, well, it was it spot fits. on. So you might as well do it. Senator Palpatine. <laughs> now, what's weird is I didn't officially post this on fanfic.net because mm. it's not technically done. I'll try to finish it. Right. But I wonder if there's any reviews. <laughs> Boy, that would be so weird. It'd be weird if there's reviews. I mean, I guess the reviews would be like in our email account or something. That's probably where the reviews would be. Well, we're streaming it to Discord. It's probably, I mean, maybe they're... It'd be weird if we had a third reviewer. It would be really weird because that's not how it's happened at all in the past. No, we've only had two people. We are, we're always we're always getting reviews from Gerds Lucas and from... Fanfic, Mr. Fanfic I mean, what fan. are the chances that when I come back, there's just suddenly a well, third person that... You know, life you. is full That'd of coincidences, but... That would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's take a look. We'll see let's what we look. got. We decided last time that it would be weird if Mr. Fanfic fan wrote a review of this one <laughs> right. for it some reason. It might be weird if he did that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess there's not one, one of that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So for some reason, I guess Mr. Fanfic fan thought, and I don't know why I would think this, that it would be a little disingenuous to review this. Right. And I guess we thought maybe there might be a third review, but it's almost like if there was a third reviewer, they wouldn't be prepared to do that. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Possibly. It's but possible they might get prepared. They might get prepared by the next one. Yeah. But then I look in Discord. What? Yeah. And sure enough, guess who's there? Well, I do know, let me just guess, okay. because I do know that uh, Gurge is 
in our Discord. That's true. If that doesn't make you want to join That's our Discord. That's a plug, by the way. Yeah. Gurge is in the Discord. <laughs> Gurge is in the Discord. He shows up every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. The so actual Gurge. You should probably join our Discord. So. <laughs> it's been a while since he's shown up. You might have to show yeah, up soon. He should show up soon. Yeah. Okay. So. Hope he remembers his password for Discord. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the key. <laughs> Boy, you know, that reminds me of my friend who had a really fun fake Facebook account that he'd post just weird stuff on that people found funny, but then he forgot his login. He couldn't do it anymore. Man, that's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Oh, but here's what Gurge wrote. <laughs> hey, what in the hell? This is... Hang on, I have to read it like he wrote it. Hey, what in the hell is this? This is my movie that I made with my mind in 1999. It seems like you just took it. I mean, it was very good, but I can't help but think I own this. It seems like your characters were constantly going on with emotions. And personally, I didn't like that. Overall, it's a secret for food job. Food job. I think you read a good job, but... I, but I got the secret four. You got the secret four for that one. Well, I can't rate this, but I feel like, I mean, Gurge gave it the secret four, which is the only review I care about. I, I mean, Do we rate each other's fan? I, I, please, I don't want to start Seems that. Seems like we no, shouldn't. No, I really Seems don't want like to do that. Seems like setting an uncomfortable precedent. I don't want you to rate mine, so I'm not going to rate yours. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I don't want mine rated. <laughs> yeah, I said that. And I'm like, I don't want this to happen. Yeah. Because we all know but it's I, four anyway. But I like, what, I like Gurge was propping you up there. He gave you that secret fourth. He did. The first thing that's gotten the secret <laughs> That fourth. is the first one that's gotten the secret fourth rating. <laughs> it's something I wrote. That seems fair. Uh, no bias there. No. Oh, but oh. we did forget to read something. Mm-hmm. What did we forget to read? Because sometimes, I mean, we have an email. Oh, we do? Sometimes we'll get emails from fans. Okay. But also, since we started doing fan fiction theater, me and Riley created fanfiction.net accounts. Not any accounts you would have heard on the show, but we did create sure. accounts. Now, my account, just before we started recording, I got, and this is true, a DM at 12.02 p.m. today on my fanfic account. And what does this DM say? Because I think I got the same one. This is from user 42nd Streetch. Oh, no. 42nd Streetch. <laughs> yeah, like stretch, but Streetch. Okay. Subject. Hey there. <laughs> Casual. Hi, parenthesis. I'm one a boy who can touch my heart and soul and could make me feel happy. Dot, dot. If you wish, you can look at my sweet pics and videos in chat if you Google my page Batrilaza. <laughs> now, here's something I want to point out. Okay. Here's something I, I think this is a funny coincidence. Okay. I recently today at 12.03 p.m. <laughs> got an email from fanfiction.net, a PM, a private message from yeah, yeah, yeah. Gentle Avenger WR. Really? Yes, was the one well, I got a different it from. person then. Different person. Totally different message. Some sort of different message. Here's the message I got. Yeah. Hello. I want to find a boy who may steal my soul. <laughs> what? Wait. And could make me feel joy. <laughs> Yours said happy. That's right. And they did not say steal. They said touch my heart and soul. Oh, well, mine says steal my heart. Oh, and no. could make me feel joy. If you wish, you can look at my sweet pics and videos and even chat if you Google my page. Batralaza. Wait a minute. Batralaza. <laughs> so that part's the same. Wow. Wait a minute. So, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I wonder if that's a bot. Here's my question. 
what if Badralaza is the third reviewer? <gasps> oh, it would be interesting if in that future fanfics we got more reviews from Batralaza. Because you now have mm-hmm. something of a format you could follow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we'll see. Well, that was fun. Thanks I for enduring doing, fan fiction. I love doing fan fics. We, we might have another fan fiction for you next week. Yeah. I think, I think we got time. Too freaking bad if you don't like them. If you don't like them. Too freaking bad. Too freaking bad. Uh, who started this? I said oh, it in you Hadith. Did. Yes. You did. You said it in Hadith, oh. so you got to take us out. All right. With that, this has been Shabasa Vaido Kap Talkin. So, Pan, Poi, Nankika Webla, Set, Pika Kabao, Jabao, Ubakai, Nankika, Sinan, Kika, Webla, Rayleigh. Hello. Right, I was drinking something. And Jake. My boogie. And me. That's the problem. I didn't know when the intro was over because yeah. I didn't understand it. So I was, I was drinking. <laughs> Bye. And me, Bye. Ciao basso. Ciao basso. How do you say I have to pee? <laughs> well, let's find out. I feel like you know what? Do do the huts pee? I don't see no pee hole. That's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't they know. just like they must just leave a slime as they go. Is that <laughs> like their excrement? Yikes! <laughs> they always do seem a little moist. Welcome to the bloopers. Need pee. <laughs> G need pee. My boogie. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if I can just like bullcrap a lot of this. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, yeah, I don't think there's gonna be like fact yeah. checkers like, hmm, she got some that word kid, wrong. Some kid in a scooter just walked through my yard. <laughs> he no had a scooter in my house. No scooter. This is no scooter zone. You should know that. I have a sign. What is he, Doug's friend? Wow. <laughs> I think that was his name. I, th- right. I think it was Skeeter. Dang it, you're right. <laughs> Not, no email yet? Wait, wait, wait. I sent okay. it to the okay. jazz. Got it, got it. Okay. Did well, you send I, it to Rock and Guitar Hero? I, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget. Oh, I was about to say you're real. I got to get in my punches while I can. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure Jasmine's going to get punched enough when we do her fanfic episode. Oh, no. Yeah. Nothing yeah, yeah, but love. Yeah, yeah. Nothing but love <laughs> no. is going to be happening then. I think, no, I think she's going to be punching herself. Yeah. <laughs> we should figure out who's going to be, like, clone commander, who's going to be Darth Vader, and who's going to be, like, there's a captain of a ship, there's a crew member. We should probably f- figure out who's going to do the voices before we start. Okay. Um... I could do Darth I'll, Vader. I'll do Clone Commander because I did that last time with my bad Australian accent. Yeah, you I can do, do that. that again. Do you want to be um, crew member number one, Jasmine? Okay. And I can be Sure Karen. Sure Karen. That's a real guy. Sure Karen. Sure Karen. <laughs> I think I made that joke last time. We've done this episode before, but I don't remember it. I don't remember so it either. Yeah, we did do this, but we lost the audio. We lost the audio. So, so yeah. Um, all right, are you ready, Jasmine? Okay. I'm pr- turning my phone like this because I, I, there's text is so hard to read.
Wow, um, aren't you a genius? <laughs> I'm pretty smart. <laughs> okay, I'll read this stage directions. So anyway, sorry. The, I, we, you can cut that out because we're going to get to the title crawl. Get to the title crawl. Uh, oh, let's let's figure out. We need. An, are you going to play Qui-Gon again, Riley? Yeah, I'll play Qui-Gon. Last time we had just read Master and Apprentice and I had a... A, <laughs> a bit of a Qui-Gon. A bit of a Qui-Gon. It's totally gone now, but I'll try it still. I think uh, Jasmine should be Obi-Wan. Okay. And I'll be Newt okay. Gunray. Okay. Not doing a racist Please, voice. Uh, pick a different racist voice. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard the complaints. He's no, no longer a Chinese stereotype. That's right. I'm doing a different stereotype. Sorry, I think I have to burp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that in the script. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Pilot, look up and see a gun turret swing around and point directly at them. C- Captain, look! No, one! Kaboom! <laughs> I'll put the kaboom in. Yeah, okay. Worry. I figured. Uh, do you want to be Amidala? Yeah! Oh, that makes sense. Should that does I... make sense. I... Should I do a Kentucky accent? <laughs> <laughs> I would say no, please. Have mercy. Um, you could do a really bad English accent that she's doing in that movie. True. <laughs> I'd say just talk like yourself. I wanted her to be more like Leia. That's kind of how I tried to write her. So, okay. a captain of the Naboo security force, Quesh Panaka, races up the hall with a holographic communicator in hand. He catches up with the queen. Stop. Stop. That's Ow. not what he stop. says. <laughs> He's attacking my, my foot. Stop. House is attacking my foot. All right. <laughs> Senator Palpatine appears. They continue walking. Senator Palpatine. We've heard nothing from the Jedi. <laughs> that, was, that was good. That was pretty right? good. Yeah. Right? Okay. The hologram begins to sputter. <laughs> she, she didn't finish her line. We were I laughing. Didn't, didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. You're right. Okay. Oh, strike one. Oh, I did spell that wrong. You're you right. You spelled ambassadors wrong. Whoa. Strike <laughs> one. <laughs> strike. <laughs> you got a strike. That's right. Also, you spelled Jin. G I N N earlier instead of J I N N. What's J I N N? Oh, why did you spell Qui Gon? Oh no! Strike two. Yeah. Oh my God! We're so close. <laughs> Canceling this one. This is tense. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Me, I think. Okay. Yeah. A communications disruption can mean only one thing: nope. invasion. Nope. <laughs> Talked over you. <laughs> Say that you again. You a hole. Okay, this is weird, but I, I would like to speech me. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like what I wrote is is kind of weird, and I, okay. I should read it. Uh, do you want to be Anakin, though? Okay. I will try I'll be Anakin. the Gamorrean guard. Perfect. That's what you were born to play. <laughs> and I'll be C-3PO. I should have written in a part where he sings the What a Man solo song. <laughs> so we could find an excuse to use like that again. I feel someday I'm going to sing this song. <laughs> I've been working on this song. I picked a random name. Han Solo. <laughs> I feel like Wookiees would love him. <laughs> and women, too. All right. All right. He's every princess's dream. <laughs> what a dumb song. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. The beast before him had him pinned to the ground, its claws piercing straight through his armor and into his chest. His jagged fang is inches away from his chest. <laughs> okay, take two. Two take Jake. Two take Jake. <laughs> oh, I have to be Shmi. Only I can greet her right. <laughs> the beast before him had his... <laughs> the beast before him. Jar Jar's shoulders droop as he lets out a lonely sigh. 
<laughs> oh, wait. I'm going to be Jar Jar. Okay. <sighs> Jasmine, you want to try your Jar Jar? Hmm. Misa. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>